schadenfreude everybody must have screamed ah he's a sung hero a little pushy pushy are you back from listening to stairway to heaven twice now those are just words i looked up on the internet unreasonable doubt a podcast about west virginia university basketball starts now hi from the studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Down. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Josh Witt. This is episode eight, Xavier, the Big East Big 12 battle. And it was a battle tonight, but the but the signs for a loss were there. First of all, the Big East Big 12 battle, there were eight Big East Big 12 battles prior to tonight's Xavier-West Virginia game. Guess what? The home team in each of those eight games undefeated. So if you were at home and it didn't matter what conference you were in, in this battle, you won the game. So Xavier, they're good. The game at Xavier, true road game. Xavier, good at offense. Six of their first eight games, they shot over 50% from the floor and they did it again tonight. And West Virginia's offense stalled out late. It was 73-72 with four and a half minutes left. West Virginia did not score another field goal, and they lose by 10. Nine for nine home teams in the Big East Big 12 battle. And let's be honest. uh, As great as the second half was in the Florida game, this second half was, was the other way bad you know what i mean and i would argue that the second half tonight was west virginia's first bad half of the season so we're going back this is this would it's the eighth game so 16 halves of basketball so to have your first bad half 16 games in or 16 halves into the season not too shabby that's a glass half full statement you could argue that the first half against purdue was a bad half i would argue that that half was less WVU playing bad and more Purdue playing really well and playing with an unstoppable giant. And he's unstoppable until he gets stopped. I understand. He's not unstoppable. So far, unstoppable. Uh, But Xavier almost got a 50-burger in the second half. So what happened there? It revolves around Jimmy Bell. Now, let me start with the good for Jimmy Bell. Jimmy Bell on offense tonight his best offensive night of the year he made every field goal he took he played bully ball as he can do he one shot went in where the ball hit like the bottom part of the front of the rim and because he pushed it like with all of his might it it went over the top of the rim and in and he's moving well when west virginia got him the ball Good things happen on offense, right? So so that's the praise. He led the team in rebounding. He had three assists. So offensively, Jimmy Bell, solid, really good. The problem is the game is not just West Virginia playing offense and the other team playing defense. On the other side of the court, that was the bad. And so going into the game, it's not like I've watched a ton of Xavier games, but they've got a seven-footer that can play outside. Just on numbers, he shot some threes, which means he's comfortable being away from the rim. Already not a great thing for Jimmy Bell. Jimmy Bell tries hard, 
not somebody who's probably comfortable 25 feet from the rim, right? And so Xavier didn't burn Jimmy Bell in the first half, but at halftime, Sean Miller basically, I don't want to guess what he was saying, but obviously the the game plan in the second half was, uh, hey, seven-foot guy, uh, step picks for our guards 25 feet from the rim, and let's see what happens. Let's see how many pick and rolls we can put Jimmy Bell in. And they did that. And yeah, it's not a hundred percent on Jimmy Bell. Two guys play the pick and roll, but what was happening? Jimmy was hedging, and then he's on the sideline, like thirty-five feet from the basket. Xavier throws it out of the double team, and now it's four on three. And every single time tonight that that happened, it was a problem. Every single time, <laughs> every single time, mage prob, you know? And so what do you do if you're Bell? Like, he's obviously being told to hedge on the screen. You can't drop in a pick-and-roll coverage against a team who's fourth in the country in shooting threes. So you can't back off. You could try switching, but then it's six foot ten, two eighty five, 285 Jimmy Bell against a, a, a fast point guard who is – who the guards are having trouble staying in front of. And so what else can you do? And we're talking about a Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. So Bob Huggins' counter would be to get somebody more mobile at the five, somebody who who's more comfortable away from the basket. And so you look and maybe, hey, play small ball with Trey Mitchell. And Trey Mitchell's got 3,000 he's sitting. So you can't do that. So then you look at... Mowagi and James Oconquo. And tonight, that was a problem. And let's think about it. Let's think about why this is a problem. Listen, I'm not I'm not upset at this result. You should not be either. You should not be either. I'll explain more here in a second. But you look down at the bench, Jimmy Bell's getting smoked on pick and rolls. You've got James Oconquo, who's played pretty much nine games of college basketball and you've got Mo Waggy who's played seven games up to this point at this level of college basketball. And so <laughs> it's not in Morgantown. You're in Cincinnati, true road game. So not the best spot for either one of those guys hoping for something. And with love and respect, both of those guys couldn't do anything. And so Huggins Ended up playing Jimmy Bell 31 minutes. <laughs> That's like triple the minutes that Jimmy Bell has played in the game this season, pretty much. But he saw all the other options and he said, uh, Jimmy, I need you out there. Jimmy had to have been gassed after the game. And I'm saying all of this with love and respect. Mo and James, they played nine combined minutes. They didn't score a point. Oconquo had one rebound, uh, and and that sounds about right. Like he, the box score, sometimes you look at numbers, you're like, hey, that guy played. Sometimes, you know, like you could see a stat line for Gabe Ozeboy and it'd be like, just not watching the game, like that guy didn't do anything. And we all know that Gabe did stuff. The box score wasn't lying tonight. <laughs> In a tough spot for guys who are, one's brand new to basketball. The way Huggins describes it, one was a tennis player and one was a soccer player. They're both new to basketball. 
They're in a tough environment against a good team, a tough matchup, and neither one of them were up to the challenge tonight. Woggy played four minutes. Big fan of Woggy. He had a bad night. He can learn from this game, right? But I remember two things that Woggy did tonight, and neither one of them was, was in the good column. There's nothing good to speak of. I'm saying this with love. Nothing good to speak of of Milwaukee's performance tonight. It was bad. I remember two things. One, offensive possession followed by a defensive possession. And it was like uh it was like the Spider-Man meme where Spider-Man's pointing at Spider-Man, but picture one Spider-Man was like the best Spider-Man. Like he was in the best Spider-Verse, being the best Spider-Man that he could possibly be. And then on the the other Spider-Man was like, he can't shoot webs. Uh, the colors are a little off in his uh, unitard. Like you can see his eyes <laughs> instead of like the big white uh, mask eyes. Like it just, it was so like Funhouse, Funhouse Spider-Man. Matter of fact, that doesn't work at all. So. Let me get to it. <laughs> On offense, Woggy gets it at the top of the key, and he's got the seven-footer that I've been talking about for Xavier. And Woggy decided to drive to the basket. So he goes left. He takes two quick dribbles, picked up his dribble, could have been called for a walk, lost the ball, started stumbling, falling out of bounds, threw it back inbounds, hit the bottom of the backboard turnover. Like the broadcast could have had the Benny Hill song happening in that sequence and nobody would have batted it. Like it would have fit perfectly for what my man Mo Woggy did on that. It only took three seconds, but cue the Benny Hill music that bad. All right, chance to redeem yourself on the other end. And here's where the Spider-Man meme comes in. Xavier gives it to their seven-footer at basically the same spot that Mo Woggy got it on the other end. And this guy went left, just like Woggy. The difference is Woggy was not prepared for <laughs> Xavier's seven-footer to go left. So he was in cement shoes standing. Xavier's guy gets by him with two dribbles. Help comes, bounce pass, foul, two free throws. And guess what? Mo went to the bench because <laughs> it was it was it was the roughest. You can't imagine it going much worse in an offensive and then defensive possession. And so Huggins, in kind, said, get off of the court. So Huggins gave him one chance in the second half. This is the second thing I remember. It was dead ball, free throw opportunity. Woggy comes in, his job, box out the seven-foot guy. Guess what happens? Absolutely does not box out the seven-foot guy. Jump ball, Woggy gets pulled. Like, Huggins gave him a chance. He lasted maybe three seconds of game time right back out. And you can see him on the sidelines, Huggins saying, I, I'm not – I'm reading lips here. But what I saw was, hey, man, you're one job. <laughs> Boxed out. You didn't box out. I'm paraphrasing what Hall of Fame Bob Huggins said on that one. And that was the night for Milwaukee. So the box score matches what I saw. It was rough. 
And so that their seven foot guy wrecked havoc on our big guys on defense. And so West Virginia has two losses now. Both came from skilled fives with two completely different games. Purdue's five is a giant, and this guy can shoot threes and plays outside. And the giant went for 24 and 12, and the Xavier guy went for 17 and 14. And so you look in conference, uh, I'm concerned about the twins in Oklahoma because that might be a bad matchup on the defensive side for WVU. But tonight in the second loss, other big picture issues that's kind of circled around this team, they showed up tonight. Rebounding back to getting out rebounded by six after a dominant performance against Florida. The passing is bad, like something that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. The turnovers do, double-digit turnovers tonight, eight turnovers from Keedy, Stevenson, and Toussaint. And these are passes to no one, timing issues. These are turnovers that you would expect with guys who haven't played together. And so you would you would hope that gets better, but what doesn't show up in the stat sheet is Jimmy Bell with position, and he's a tree trunk, you can't move him, asking for the ball, begging for the ball. Nobody on the backside of him. And like guards cannot give him the ball. They, it's 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 a mind block. This is these WVU guards are having issues that previous WVU guards have had. And I don't know if this is specific to the Mountaineers or if it's just like a thing in basketball where the lost art of an entry pass is just not too much thinking. Then you telegraph it. It's it's rough. And so the passing was bad and the statue has double digits assists for wvu and so you'd say hey they're they're passing all right and if you watch that game you know that the passing is off and and then free throws west virginia is fouling a ton again nothing new for wvu but if you're not getting an advantage in turnovers and you're not getting an advantage in rebounds then how do you make up a discrepancy where Xavier shoots 30 free throws and you shoot 15. It's hard to make up. And talked about the last four and a half minutes of the game. In that last four and a half minutes, Joe Toussaint had three fouls and those, and that led to eight free throws and the guy made seven of them. So Toussaint fouled two three-point shots and then another foul. And so again, it's not all bad. I'm not, I was nervous in the game because I, I wasn't expecting to be nervous. And West Virginia jumped out to a lead in the first half and was making all the threes. And good stuff was in this game. West Virginia made nine threes. I talked about Bell's offense. Emmett Matthews was aggressive, even though some of the baskets didn't go in. Seth Wilson made a couple of threes and he was also driving the ball. So to see him get more confident on offense and do different things was awesome. Uh, Trey Mitchell, when he was in the game, solid offensively, kind of getting what he wanted again. And, you know, outside of the foul trouble, I did see him make a couple of solid defensive plays. Uh, But listen, this is a tough opponent, and it was a true road game. And, you know, just get ready. West Virginia is not a top three team. West West Virginia can't just go to a good team's place and, and win with regularity. They might be able to sneak some out in conference play this year, but 
just because they lose it, Xavier should should not change how you feel about this team. I mean, get ready. West Virginia, uh, spoiler alert, and I'm we're not wishing this on them. West Virginia is going to lose on the road in conference this year. <laughs> That's going to happen. It's going to happen more than once. I'll also go out on a limb and say that. And they can still be good, and that can happen. And let me just give you some examples of teams that are good at basketball that have lost two road games. Baylor. We're familiar with Baylor. They're good at basketball. They lost by 26 at Marquette. That happened. Still good at basketball. They just beat Gonzaga. At the Pentagon, they they went to, to South Dakota to play. West Virginia played there in pandemic. Gonzaga's good at basketball. They lost by 19 in Austin against Texas. Kentucky's good at basketball. They lost at Gonzaga by 16. Indiana's good at basketball. They got beat today by 15 at Rutgers. And the teams, you know, these teams that are good, that are losing road games, the road, the home team in those games, they're good. Arizona, good at basketball. They went to Utah, got beat by 15. And so I'm going to lump WVU in this category. I will say that WVU is good at basketball, and they lost by 10 at Xavier. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many unknowns. Yes, the Lakers are not going to go 0-82. Yes, the Bucks are not going to go 82-0. But will Javon Carter stay in the starting lineup? Will Deuce McBride make it in the rotation for the Knicks? When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. The DraftKings Sportsbook app is easy to use. You can do your same-game parlay. Really easy, gives you the odds. Definitely check it out. So download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I know I've watched games on FS1 before college basketball games, Big East games. Maybe not whole games, but I just don't remember the stylings of one Dickie Simpkins. But we were blessed tonight to have Dickie Simpkins on the call tonight for the WVU Xavier game. And I thought he stood out in good ways and bad ways. <laughs> Dickie Simpkins, at first, I truly thought that Dickie Simpkins was a Xavier grad because of how preferential he seemed to be towards Xavier. Nothing new for a WVU fan, and it's probably not exclusive to WVU feeling like the national broadcaster is is going against your team. But Dickie Simpkins really had a strong leaning, so much so that I had to look up where he went to school. He went to Providence, so I was close. I mean, he wasn't a Xavier grad, but definitely – 
Big East guy, and which makes sense. Fox Sports 1, that's the home of Big East basketball. So totally get it, right? Not mad about that. Just it was bad enough or it was obvious enough that it made me check, <laughs> you know? And in the bed, Dickie Simpkins one time thought Trey Mitchell walked because he had psychedelic shoes on and did a little bit of fact checking there. Number one, Trey Mitchell didn't walk on that play. And number two, Trey Mitchell's shoes, not psychedelic. I mean, I don't, that's not a fact. I guess somebody could, Dickie Simpkins said that he thought they looked psychedelic. All right. So let's not do fact checking here, but didn't like that. What I did like, the list of the pros for Dickie Simpkins for me, longer than the cons list. I got the cons out of the way. The pros, Dickie Simpkins, uh, Emmett Matthews made a bank three. Seth Wilson make a bank three. What happens in not 42 years of life when somebody makes a long bank shot, somebody is obligated to say something about a bank, like a bank with money and stuff. The bank is open. I didn't know his banking hours, like that kind of thing. Tried and true, but a little stale, maybe a little dated. Dickie Simpkins reviving the bank reference by gearing it towards ATM. ATM references in place of the bank ingenuity, changing the game. Love that and love the the spin that Dickie Simpkins put on that. Another thing I liked when someone made a steal multiple times, Dickie Simpkins was calling for security. A little confusing on that one. Sometimes it sounded like he was asking for a home security system, which is not really a stealing thing. And one more appropriate, like he sounded like he was calling for security because somebody <laughs> had stolen something. <laughs> so I thought that was fun. I, I don't think I've heard calls for security in, in regards to steals. But the best part about the Dickie Simpkins experience is that his games come with Dickie Simpkins graphics. <laughs> Think of the people that, that do color commentary on college basketball games. Jay Billis, Dick Vitale, uh, Bill Raftery, you know, Fran Fraschilla. All these guys, they provide great analysis during the game. Grant Hill, he does a great job. None of those guys have graphics, to my knowledge. Dickie Simpkins, he, and he might have brought his own graphics. He might have his own graphics guy. But there are Dickie Simpkins graphics. I saw two of them tonight. One was pretty straightforward. It was a cartoon picture of Dickie Simpkins' head looking straight ahead. He's got his glasses on. He's got the, the microphone attached to the headphones. He's calling a game. Below his face are the letters OMG. <laughs> and you'd see this graphic. I saw it a couple of times on the way to commercial. And do I remember a play during the basketball game that would cause somebody to say OMG? Not really. Did it keep them from showing that graphic? Absolutely not. And the graphic by itself, pretty awesome. But when you have Dickie Simpkins on the mic with the graphic up with his cartoon face and letters saying OMG, and then Dickie Simpkins himself saying OMG. Then it goes to the highest level. 
of television. Um, of course, my mind thought, like, is this in Dickie Simpkins' contract? Hey, Fox Sports, uh, I would love to work for you. Here's what I need. I need to have an opportunity going to commercial to say OMG. Doesn't have to be about something great that happened during the game. I just want to do that perhaps twice each game. It made me think of things like that because it really stood out. And it was, <laughs> it made me laugh and, and I really enjoyed it. The other graphic, I can't, I don't remember what it looked like, but there was definitely a graphic. And it was a graphic for a in-game uh, bit or an in-game segment that Dickie Simpkins called back in the lab. So not, again, this is going to sound like a fact check, but it's not. But Dickie Simpkins definitely said later in the game when they were giving some some fun facts about one of the Xavier players, and the Xavier player said his favorite subject in school was chemistry. Dickie Simpkins balked at that. He couldn't believe that chemistry was the guy's favorite class. So he said that while also having a segment called back in the lab, <laughs> you know, like chemistry lab. Anyways, back in the lab. So it implies that Dickie Simpkins has been in the lab, came out, something happens during the game to send him back to the lab. All right. So we're all clear on, on how this, how this bit works. And so tonight when Dickie Simpkins went back in the lab, all that is, is he's basically, they're doing a replay and he's explaining what happens. Right. And so the, in the lab this time, they showed a Xavier possession where the Xavier guy did get open for a three-point shot, and then he missed it. <laughs> he got the wide open three, so worth going to the lab, I guess, to see how that guy got open. But what was funny in the lab is that Dickie Simpkins almost seemed, and it just happened, Simpkins seemed confused that the ball didn't go in. <laughs> so when he sees it miss, he's like, you got to make that shot. <laughs> so that was his uh, analysis of that particular play. He did have some analysis about how the guy got open, but he, he punctuated it with, they've got to make that shot, you know? <laughs> But graphics, it's such a fantastic, all these other guys that I mentioned earlier, they need to have graphics. It, I don't know how much it costs, but it really caught my attention tonight. And then I see Dickie Simpkins go back in the lab and man, it just, it was really something. And so a couple of cons, a couple of negatives for sure. But also Dickie Simpkins, it made me think, was he in the Last Dance documentary? Then it made me start thinking about 90s Bulls centers. And then I start thinking about Will Perdue and Bill Winnington and Bison Dele, who was, I think, Brian Williams at the time, you know? Then you get to Jed Bushler, who was not a center. But anyways, he was back in the lab. He threw in a couple of OMGs. And now I'm I'm a I'm a Dickie Simpkins guy. Can't wait to see him call the next WVU game. Are you listening to this podcast on December fourth, twenty twenty two? 
Are you in the Morgantown area? If you are and you want to check out awesome sports cards, action figures, wrestling figures, comic books, you need to go to the Morgantown Mall and you need to check out the card show that Freeman Sports Cards and Collectibles are doing. They were at the mall on Friday. They were at the mall Saturday. And if you are listening to this on Sunday, December 4th, they're there today. And you should go to the Morgantown Mall right now and check out their stuff. Find something that you like. I'm sure you will. If you're listening to this podcast and it's not December 4th, call 304-416-3631. Get in touch with Freeman Sports Card and Collectibles. Tell them you've got a Hulk Hogan figure. Tell them you've got a Junkyard Dog figure. They'll say, oh, that's awesome. I love that. I'll give you money for that. Or something like that. Check them out. Again, December 4th, if you're listening to this, go to the Morgantown Mall immediately. If not, call Freeman Sports Card and Collectibles, 304-416-3631. The next game for WVU will not have Dickie Simpkins. It'll be back at home in Morgantown Wednesday, 7 p.m. ESPNU or ESPN Plus, your choice. West Virginia comes back home to play the Navy Midshipmen. So the second rare bird opponent for WVU, WVU checked the Ivy League school box earlier this season playing Penn. They hadn't done that since the early 80s. And now they're going to play the Navy Midshipmen. They have not played a service academy in basketball since the 70s. Any of them, Air Force, Navy, Army. It's been a while. And so Navy comes to town. And guess what? Similar to Penn, not a big transfer portal. uh, Guess what? Spoiler alert, Navy, similar to Penn, not a big transfer portal destination. Not super active, which totally makes sense for a service academy or an Ivy League school. Anyways, Navy comes into this game on a two-game losing streak and not great losses. Lost to Lipscomb and then lost to Virginia Military Institute. And Ken Pomeroy's computer, it doesn't have feelings. It doesn't love a team or hate a team. It's a computer. Humans have feelings. Computers don't. What I will say is that the computer, not impressed with VMI. And so for Navy to lose to them, not great. VMI's only two wins besides the Navy win. They beat Penn State New Kensing. Not Penn State, Penn State New Kensing. And then they beat Regent, which is apparently a Virginia Beach institution founded by Pat Robertson. So that's a fun fact for the day. Anyways, Ken Pomeroy's computer, not thrilled with VMI, thus not thrilled with Navy losing the VMI. But Navy, similar to Xavier, they shoot the three ball well. They're shooting 41% for the season. So that's top of the top in the in Division One. Also, on the flip side, according to Ken Palm's computer, Navy not good at defense. And by not good, they're bad. Their biggest guy is 6'8". So West Virginia has, there should not be a matchup problem with the, with Navy's five and WVU's five. 
whoever they choose. Navy was picked to finish fourth in the Patriot League, so top half of that league. But I am going, you know, I don't like to predict games. I will predict a bounce-back game for the Mountaineers against the Navy midshipmen. We'll see what happens Wednesday. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms or just pick one, whichever one you want. YouTube. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt. WVU for the 2022-2023 season. They have six wins and they have two losses.